Today's question is another good one that pastors love to avoid and don't like to talk about. So I'm going to cover it today because that's what I do. What does it mean to tithe and why does God require it? Well, I'm going to answer this one real simply. Tithing means giving 10% of your income to the church and God requires it because he loves the pastor and wants to make him rich. Just kidding. So uh, this morning, if you want to turn into James chapter 1, we'll get there in just a minute. We have a lot of people who, who don't like this topic about tithing. They don't like to hear about giving of money. And when they see a pastor get up and start to talk about it, they automatically get cynical and they assume the worst. They automatically look at the pastor and say, oh no, it's another uh, money grubber, hungry, money, hungry pastor that just wants our money and uh, all of these things. And the Bible doesn't talk about tithing. And the Bible, the church, the church is not the right organization. What was set up to be originally in the book of Acts and, and uh, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Listen, folks, I understand that it's not perfect. We're not perfect. I know that we don't look exactly like an Acts chapter 2 church. Amen. Let's just be honest and be real. The, the organizational structure of it is a little different. Um, but, but this is a legitimate question that people ask, and, and there is some biblical foundation to it. And today I'd like to really talk about it two weeks. Today I want to talk about really uh, the heart, eh, not really the heart of it, I guess one side of the heart of it, and then next week really kind of talk about the heart of a believer and the fact that as a person's full of the Spirit of God, they'll begin to do as the Father has done. And I'm going to kind of set a foundation for that this morning. Uh, in James chapter 1, we see... Where this whole giving idea and concept came from to begin with is it came from our Father. Giving came from God. You ever hear somebody say, you can't outgive God? It's one of those Christian cliches. Brother, you can't outgive God. But sometimes when you're doing it, it feels like you are. You know what I'm saying? I've given God a lot. Okay, Lord, I'll keep giving. Sometimes, you know... It, you know, people can, can have all these cliches and say all you want, but it, it can be uncomfortable. Amen? And so this morning, as we look here in James chapter 1, uh, we see that, that giving was established by God. Verse 16, don't be deceived, my dear brother. Stop right there for just a second. Don't be deceived. Don't you love it when the apostles and when Jesus multiple times throughout the Gospels would say, don't be deceived? Isn't it easy that, aren't we easily deceived? You want to know something that we're easily deceived about? Our money and our giving and our tithe and our responsibilities and all of these things. It's easy for us to be deceived. It's easy for us to be deceived with an opinion about God and what we think about Him when a pastor starts talking about tithing. Look at what he says. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. Listen, our heavenly Father, is a, He's a gift giver. Everything He's given you and everything He's given me has been a gift. You and I, we can't earn anything good from God. If we would have got what we deserve from God, you know what we would get? Death. That's what we deserve. Our sin and our separation from God would say we deserve death. But God in everything that He's given us, He's given as a gift. He didn't have to do any of it. Don't you love gift givers? Don't you love Christmas time? It's the most 
wonderful time of the year. No, I'm talking about today, the most wonderful time of year is uh, football season opens up today. I'm sorry, I just had to throw that in there. We love to receive gifts. And when we love people, we give gifts and we give extravagant gifts. I love to give my kids extravagant gifts. And you know what? Sometimes I've even given them gifts when they didn't deserve them. God looks at us and He says, you know what? I love you so much. Based off of His relationship with us, based off of His mercy, His compassion, His grace toward us, He looked in and He saw a fallen world and He gave. For God so what? Loved the world that He what? He gave. He gave His only Son that we would believe in Him, that we could be saved by Him. He gave. It wasn't because we deserved Jesus to come and die for our sins on the cross and make atonement for our sins. We didn't deserve that, but God gave. God gives us life. He's the giver of all good things. He's the one that breathed life into our lungs. We know because Jesus told Satan when he was tempted in the wilderness, he said, look, he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that comes forth out of the mouth of God. Just because you have lungs and breath in those lungs today is because God loves you. Do you know that getting up in the morning and going, right now everybody wants to yawn. It's so, I see them, there's a few. It's so contagious. Just to get up and yawn and to breathe in and out. Do you know that's a gift from God? You don't live on your own, folks. Do you know that as a believer, as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is a gift to live inside of us, to grow us and to teach us and to sanctify us and purify us and to guide us in our paths, to protect us, to show us of things to come. The Spirit of God is working in our lives as a gift from the Father. It's not because you've earned it. You didn't earn it. It's a gift. A gift from a perfect God who loved us enough to give us something that we didn't deserve. Listen, you, you cannot outgive God. And we oftentimes think, well, I'm going give, to give my money. I, am, I keep giving money to God and He's not giving me any money back. There's so many greater things, eternal things. Listen, you know, you and I are a part of a heritage that we're all going to get to stand in, in our inheritance someday in the kingdom of God as a believer. We haven't fully received it yet. We've received a deposit, which is the Holy Spirit in our lives, a promise that when we get there, we're going to receive all of that. That's a wonderful promise. You know that that's all a gift. We don't deserve, we don't deserve a heaven. We don't deserve a new heavens and new earth someday. Amen. We don't get deserve to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, I have established you, I have seated you. In heavenly places. Listen, folks. God has given us a whole lot. And it's come from His relationship with us that he's, he's, he's blessed us and He's given to us. When we tithe, when we give to God, it's not wrapped up in what we have to do. It's an attitude of gratitude. It's an attitude that says, Lord, you've been so good to me. And as an attitude of worship and of thanks, I'm going to give to you. Look over at Proverbs chapter 3 with me, if you will. You'll see this principle. Now I'm going to look through. There's multiple principles listed here in this, and I want to read through them just real quick, just to make a point here in a minute. But if you look at Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we see several great life, life principles that are being shared. Verse 1, My son, do not forget my teaching, But keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. This is a principle of obedience. It's a principle of obedience. Amen? You obey God's word, 
and you're going to be blessed for it. You apply the truths of God's Word to your life, and you're going to be prosperous. Now, some people say, Pastor, I'm, I'm still struggling paying my bills from month to month, and I don't feel like I'm being as prosperous as I should be. Listen, God wants to prosper us in other ways than just money. Amen? Amen. Some, of, some of the most prosperous people in the world are some of the most poor people in the world. You know, I, I can't help but look at, look at the, the disciples themselves. I can't help but look at Jesus himself. He said, I've got nowhere to lay my head. I put my head on a rock at night uh, to lay my head down to rest. He said, I have, I have nothing. Jesus wasn't one of these people that was preaching prosperity and had money hanging out of his clothes everywhere he went. He lived day to day based off of the gifts of the Father to sustain him and give, him, give to him and keep him. Listen, it doesn't mean when you say prosper, Jesus was prosperous, but it wasn't necessarily that he was uh, having prosperity in a worldly manner. He wasn't walking around with golden jewelry and, and, and rings and, and all this stuff. He, he, didn't have a, he didn't have a grill. I don't know why that just popped in my head. Don't ever picture Jesus with a grill. Some, some of the older folks in the church are saying, I got, I got a grill at home. What? <laughs> Talk to somebody that's uh, under 30 and they'll explain that to you. <laughs> Verses 3 and 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. In other words, and if then promise again, if you do this, if you are a person that's full of love and faithfulness, do you know that you're going to win favor with men? If you are a person that loves people and is a faithful person, do you know that you're going to have lots of friends and you're going to have favor? Do you know that if you love God and have a faithfulness to God, that you're going to have God's favor? Do you know that if you have love and faithfulness to both, that God's going to give you favor with Him and with man? We talked about prayer here a few weeks ago. It says the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, right? The prayer of a righteous man is powerful. Why? Because he has favor with God. He's faithful and he loves him and he obeys him. Verses 5 and 6. This is, these are all just principles. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. This is a principle of surrender. A principle of surrender, surrendering to God. I'm a person that's going to surrender to God. I'm going to acknowledge Him in all things. I'm not going to be puffed up in my knowledge or my understanding. I'm not going to walk around and say that I did this and I did that and I did this. Instead, with an attitude, excuse me, of humility, you can come in and say, Hey, God, I'm going to give you all the glory and all the promises, uh, all the promises you've given to me. I'm going to give you glory for all of these things. It speaks of God's provision. It speaks of His protection, of His guidance in our lives as we surrender to Him and not our natural resources. How many of us would like to have straight paths instead of crooked paths? God will do that for us. Verses 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Verses 7 and 8 here are talking about the principle of holiness. If you live a life of holiness, if you obey the Word of God, if you apply His principles to your life, if you will not do those things that displease the Lord and do the things that please God according to the Word, then you are going to have a healthy, long life. It's going to be health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Let me ask you a question. Is life without holiness, a life full of worldliness, and sin usually going to be the type of life that's going to give you long life on the earth. Have you ever been to your class reunion before? This year's 25 years for me. 20, a quarter of a century. 
out of high school. You go back and you find those people that have lived their lives in complete recklessness, drugs, alcohol, giving themselves over to everything in life, and they come in looking like a little old person. Flipping through the yearbook. Who is that? <laughs> and then he said, That's Bob Fairchild. He lives in Covington. Wow, he's fat and bald. Listen, in all of our all of our lives, it's important for us to make sure that we're, we're not living out sinfulness. Now, some of you, I know it's easy to say all the other things that, that the churches like to point out. Let's just talk about gluttony for a minute. I mean, if, if honestly, if we would control our eating, we would cut down a lot of our health problems. Amen? Amen. And I'm the worst example in the world up here in front of you about it, but it's just the truth. So, so all of us today need to understand these principles are true and that we can live by them. Now, attached to these are verses 9 and 10, which is what I'm going to talk about this morning in length. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. This passage is where we really begin to see and hear a lot about this whole giving topic. We have two things we're going to talk about. We have wealth, and we have first fruits. One is for honor, one is for worship. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Amen? And with the first fruits. First fruits are, uh, according to Scripture, it is the first of all of our property, all of our, if we were farmers and we, we lived by our sustenance of the farm each year, then our first fruits would be that first part of the harvest that we bring in, we bring and take it to God. Now, I struggle with that because I, I have a tomato garden. and Lord, I worked in that tomato garden in the spring, and I sweated, and I put those little monsters in the ground, and I'm waiting, and I see the little tomatoes pop out, and they're green for an eternity. And then they turn. You think I'm going to give my first tomatoes away? I want to eat them. Aren't we all like that? That's kind of how we are. But what God says, He says, no, 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 no. You know what? I've given you the rain. Amen. I've given you the sun to shine. I've fertilized the ground. I've taken care of things for you to make sure that that seed would come to life and grow. That's a miracle, folks. The seed, the power of a seed to grow and to bear fruit is just an absolute miracle of God. And it is awesome. And He says, I want you to bring in your first fruits and I want you to honor me with them. So we have two things. We have, we have wealth, which is a form of honor. Now, as it pertains to tithe and offering... Uh, we are, according to Scripture, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later next week, but uh, the tenth or one-tenth of our tithe and offering. Now I have ten one-dollar bills here, I think. I haven't counted very closely, and I've been known to miss things. But I think I have ten one-dollar bills here. And what God is saying is, is let's say you made ten dollars this week. Congratulations, right? One dollar of that ten dollars is mine. That's, that's a tenth. That's what I'm asking. That is, that is something that I've said is a worthy amount for you to give. God's not angry. He's not uh, overly demanding. He says just 10%. One tenth is a tithe. You bring that in and I will honor you for bringing that in. You bring that in and I will honor you and, and bless you for that. One tenth 
That one dollar out of the ten. God gets one, I get nine. God gets one, I get nine. If this was a hundred thousand dollars, I wish it was. If it was, then I'd sit here and I'd say, okay, well, how much do I give to God? Well, I know that one tenth of a hundred thousand dollars is ten thousand dollars. Then somebody goes, oh, that's a lot of money, Pastor. $10,000. Well, but you've got 90. It's still, the principle is still the same thing. Amen? It's still the same thing. I'm sure the person that only made $10 of the week felt really bad about losing the $1. Amen? But the principle is this. You've got 10, which goes to God, and you've got 90 or 9, which is your wealth. I'm going to put God's away for just a minute. Some of you are thinking, is he going to do a magic trick? No. <laughs> I'm going to make it rain up in here. So we have, we have our wealth. We honor God with our wealth. What does that mean to honor God with our wealth? You know that if we honor God with our wealth, with our 90%, with our $9, if we honor God with our 90%, He promises us that we will have our needs met. Look what it says. Your barns will be filled. In other words, you're going to have what you need. When you talk about barns being filled, He's talking about you're going to survive for the winter. Congratulations. Congratulations, you're going to survive for the season. That's what your goal is, is to survive. It's not talking about building bigger barns so that I can be a slob and do nothing and just gorge myself on whatever I want. Because if a person does that, you won't have to build bigger barns because you'll eat extravagant meals each week. You're going to make sure that you've got the most expensive and finest clothes. I'm going to do $3 because I want to look good. And don't forget, this weekend, you know, the guys are going to want me to buy a round or two at the bar with them. Now I got, I just don't have money for my bills or my, I've got $2 to get my bills paid and my groceries purchased. Do you know that if we honor God with our wealth and we don't consume everything on ourselves and we're reasonable and we're practical, do you know that holy living and obedience to God's word will help us to have more in our barn because we're not consuming it on ourselves? Here's the sad thing is we'll take all this money, our 90%, we'll spend it on ourselves and then somebody will need help and we can't really help them because this money right here is, is going towards our food and our, and our bills. Man, I just wish I could help, but I don't have anything. You know what? I just won't pay my tithe this week and I'll give it to them to help them out. That's not what God's called us to do. Amen. What God's called us to do is, is He gives us our 90% and if we honor Him with it, then that means that we're going to guard it and protect it. We're not going to be frivolous. We're not going to be self-consumed with it. Yeah, you can do nice things and have nice things at times without going overboard. Amen? That if we, if we manage ourselves well, that not only will we have money to take care of ourselves, but our barns are going to be full, which means if our neighbor needs something, which means if, if a friend down the street I noticed needed something, Listen, April and I learned this early on, and I know I've shared this before, but when you're making $7.25 an hour and you're a newlywed at 19 years old and your wife is in college, it's a temptation to take God's and say, you know, I'm going to hold on to this until you start paying me more. (laughs) But by virtue of the principle, everybody say principle. We believe this principle and we gave the 10%. And we tried to honor God with what we had. We didn't try to be frivolous. We weren't stupid. 
And in four years' time, it didn't add up and it didn't make sense. We got, I got a little bit of a raise and we continued to give God immediately off the top. God got His. We got ours and we saved and prepared. And after four years' time, I believe it was four years, we had, we had thirty-five dollars to $40,000 saved up to start building our home. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. Doesn't add up. But God promised that our needs would be met. But it took both. It took this and it took this. It took our 90% honoring Him and it took the 10% of blessing and honoring God with it. Now some of you sit here and say, Pastor Bob, I just, the 10% thing just... I don't know about it. I think you just want to be rich. If I wanted to be rich... I would have taken an offering after this service. <laughs> but I don't believe in manipulation. I, I, my pay doesn't change no matter what the income is of the church until the income of the church can't pay me anymore. Then my pay changes. Thankfully, we are full of people who understand this principle and who give. And are people who are blessed, and I appreciate that. It makes our lives, myself and the board makes our lives a whole lot easier. Amen? See, people like to take their one and they like to put it in the offering and feel like they've really done something. And then they want to follow it and watch it all the way through the building. And then they want to follow it up to the office and they want to check and see how it was spent, where it went. And if, it, if, if I didn't like how it went, I want it back. Listen, you're not giving it to God on loan. You're giving it to Him. And how it's spent and how it's handled is between myself and the board. And if, if we don't do it right, we're going to answer to God someday which he can do way more damage than you can. This is very important to us. This 10% doesn't seem like much, but people say, Pastor, what do I pay my 10% on? Do I pay it on my gross income or my net income? And I would say to you, what is the first fruit? Is it when your field is full or when 35% has already been taken by the government? Here's the problem. People want to give their 10%, but they want to give it 30 cents less of this dollar to the church than what they should have in the beginning when it was a first fruit. What am I saying? I'm saying I have always tithed on my gross. I have always tithed on the full amount of my check. When I get a paycheck that says, this is the gross, this is how much you made this week, then that's what I've tithed on. Why is that? Because that's my first fruit. If I take the percentage out of the larger amount, it's going to be a larger amount given to God. If I take the percentage out of the less amount, what I get in cash, it's going to be less. And some people say, well, pastor, but see, I don't ever really get that money. What, just because the government's more aggressive and greedy than God, you're going to burn God for it. Listen, I'm not saying this because we have to have more money. It was just a question. What is tithe, Pastor? What is tithe? What is my responsibility toward it? It's very important for us to understand these things because, listen, there were these other things that we talked about. Listen, look at these things. The obedience of God's Word, the principle of obeying God's Word. You can't manipulate that. You can't change that. Listen, you obey or you don't. Amen? Amen? And with our tithe, you either give or you don't. 
If we're love and faithful, if we're full of love and faithfulness, if you are something other than that, then you are a liar and you can't expect to manipulate fake love and fake faithfulness to get some kind of a gift from God. We cannot do that. We cannot have the principle of fake surrender to God and think that He's going to bless us. We can't have a principle of fake holiness before God and think that He's going to bless us. In the same way, we cannot be people who try to manipulate, who try to manipulate a blessing from God because we gave or we did give. We cannot be the type of people who will try to get something from God and take our 10%, our dollar in and say, here it is, Lord. Now, I want you just to cover me with everything that I've ever dreamed or imagined. We cannot manipulate God. Principles can't be manipulated. They're spiritual. If you apply them with a genuine faith and a genuine heart, God will bless you for it. I want to caution us on a few things here quickly, just for a few minutes as we close out, we can learn a lot about our hearts based upon our giving habits. We can learn a lot about our hearts based upon our giving habits. Listen, God is, is, is a giver. His Spirit is in us, and the natural overflow of His Spirit being in us would be that the people would desire to help and give to others. Whether it be the church, whether it be in the community. Let's just talk about a few people in Scripture that had the giving principle wrong. You want to do that? Next week, we'll talk about all the warm and fuzzy stuff about giving. It'd be so much fun. Let's talk about Simon the Sorcerer. Anybody remember Simon the Sorcerer in Acts chapter 8? He lived in this area where he controlled everybody, told them what to do. He was a magician. He deceived people and and kind of controlled and manipulated them by his, his magic arts. And yet Philip comes in and preaches and people turn to Christ. And as they turn to Christ, then ultimately Simon the sorcerer, by virtue of popularity, turns and does the same thing. And then suddenly Peter and John show up and they begin laying hands on people where they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're receiving the Spirit, receiving the Spirit. And Simon the sorcerer looks in and he says this in Acts 8 verse 18. He says, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. And said, give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps He will forgive you for, share, for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. These things happen in churches. People will come in and they will give a gift and they will try to control and manipulate according to the gift. They will come in if they are somebody who's wealthy, they will come in and give a nice gift to the church. The church will be grateful. And so they start to then when something happens that they don't like, they're going to threaten to pull their money and stop giving unless the pastor goes back to doing what the guy liked before. And I love Peter and John's response. May your money perish with you. I'm so grateful I have not come across this in our church and I hope I never do. Somebody that comes in and thinks that they can manipulate the things of God with their money. They're full of bitterness and wicked. If our church was on a precipice, which I hope we never do that to ourselves by not honoring God with our wealth, amen? But if we had somebody come in and say, well, pastor, you're dependent upon this money, and if you don't do X, Y, Z, I'm going to pull out. 
I hope that I have the confidence and the ability to look at them and faith in God enough to say, may your money perish with you. Folks, we can't do this. We can't control or manipulate people based off of finances. Uh, I won't control and manipulate you and you won't control and manipulate me. This is the kind of thing, unfortunately, I have enough friends in ministry. I've heard this story over and over again of these kinds of things happening that can't happen. Another one, the rich young ruler. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read scripture, but Matthew 19, we know the account. The rich young ruler who was there with Jesus who said, uh, what Lord must I inherit, do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? He said, you know the commandments? And he spoke to him about it. He said, yes, I've kept those since I was a boy. And obviously we see the principle of obedience there because he was a wealthy man. He apparently had honored God with his wealth. He had done the things correctly that he should have done. But when Jesus looked at him and saw that his money had become a hold on him of some kind, he said, look, he said, I want you to go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me and you'll have treasures in heaven. And the guy went away sad because he was so wealthy. Now, isn't that an oxymoron? He went away sad because he was wealthy. Here in America, we think wealth brings happiness. But the reality of it is this person had taken his wealth and he had made it such an important thing that he wouldn't give when, it was, when he was called to give. He had, he had taken his wealth and he had made it an idol. He had blessed himself with it. Churches are full of these people. On the outside, they're good. They do good things in the church and community. They try to live for God. They're wealthy, but they hold back. One-tenth seems like a bunch of money to, to a wealthy person, but one-tenth is still a one-tenth. And I said something about this a few minutes ago. I had a, had a friend who had a church that had a lot of very wealthy people in it, a lot of business owners. And I would tease him all the time about his church being a rich church. Well, you guys are rich. You've got all those business owners and people wealthy and wealthy. He said, they don't give. I said, they don't give. He said, no. He said, well, they'll give. He said, if you have something where, it's, where you say, hey, you know, we, we need funds for this activity, they're the first ones to stand up in the back and raise their hand and say, I'll donate $10,000 to that. And people will go, oh, that's so amazing that they have $10,000 to give. And yet the people that are amazed that they gave $10,000 had a small amount of money that they have weekly that they faithfully tithe over. And these people don't realize they're giving $12,000, $13,000 a year. But the wealthy person said, I'll give one time 10000 When it doesn't even come close to their tenth, it doesn't come close to their tithe. You see, the rich young ruler was said, hey, Jesus said, you have a problem with your money. It's too valuable to you. It's too valuable. Sell everything you have, give it away, come follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven. The guy passed up treasure in heaven for treasure on earth. Now, I'm not going to stand here today and say, Jesus is going to send you to hell if you don't pay your tithe. I don't see that in the scripture. I see a promise of blessing. I see a promise of blessing. Do you want blessings from God? Do you want treasure in heaven? Do you need other things from the Lord? And, and, and I promise you, we'll talk about this in just a minute, about worship, that when God gives to you and you give back, He's going to bless you for it. King Saul, we know about King Saul, supposed to go wipe out the Amalekites. And again, for the sake of scripture, I'm not going to read it all, but it is found in 1 Samuel 15. It says that God told Samuel on his way there, he said, Samuel, Saul has made, uh, he's made a, uh, where is it? My goodness, I forgot the word. A tribute to himself. What is the word? He made a monument in his own honor. He made a monument in his own honor. And then when, when Samuel went out to confront Saul, Saul said, I obeyed the Lord. And Samuel said, then why do, why do I have the bleeding of sheep in my ear? Why? 
Why aren't all of these animals dead? And then Saul backs up and said, oh, but I had a different plan. I wanted to go and I wanted to sacrifice these things to the Lord. You see, a lot of times we have this tendency in our mindset when God has established something and he says a tenth, a ten percent, a tithe, and uh, in giving above and beyond, honoring him with your wealth and honoring him with your first fruits, then we sit there and we start to rationalize, well, I know, but this would just be a whole lot better spent other places. Saul had rationalized what he was going to do with the plunder. He went in and started to do what God told him to do, but the plunder, the plunder looked way too good. The plunder looked like it was going to be something that would just continue to bless him. And if he had more money, and if he had more stuff, then he could just take that back and celebrate that. And then, in light of what he wanted to do, he said, well, he brought it in under kind of a Christian covering, a covering of God, and said, well, we wanted to come and sacrifice. And Samuel looks at him, he says, obedience is greater than sacrifice. So as we tithe, as we give to the Lord, as we have our our first fruits and our wealth and we want to bless the Lord with it, we must make sure that it's according to His plan and not ours. Judas Iscariot is another one. John 12, verses 2 through 8. You see the account of Mary coming in with a, with a pint of nard and she, she breaks it, a very expensive perfume, and, and worships Jesus. And, and uh, Judas gets frustrated and he says, Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This, this scripture about Judas is scathing because we recognize and realize that Judas sold Jesus for money. Judas was a thief of money. Judas had a love for money. Judas wasn't a giver. He was the one that thought it was crazy that anybody would give. That's crazy that anybody would ever give. Why would you give? That's just crazy. He confronted her about it and was straightened out by Jesus. But there again, there are people like this today in America that are dealing with this problem where they don't see it beneficial to give to the church. I don't see any benefits from it. It doesn't do anything for me. It's not promoting me. It's not moving me forward. No, it's a spiritual principle. We entrust it to God and God is the one that does the blessing. Ananias and Sapphira, just quickly, is another one. We know that they sold all of their property. That's found in uh, Acts chapter 5. They sold all their property and uh, kept some of the money for themselves and then gave it to the church saying, yes, this is all of it. They lied about it. Have you ever met somebody that will do something and exaggerate? Also known as lying. Liar. Revelation, Revelation 21.8, Liars go to hell. Liars go to hell. Burn, 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 burn. <laughs> it was a song we used to sing in youth all the time. It was worship. No, I don't know why we sing that. It wasn't very encouraging. <laughs> Did stop him from lying. We've got to remember that God has placed us in control of our praise. And the praise we have shouldn't be false. Amen? And the money we give shouldn't be exaggerated. It shouldn't even be talked about. Jesus talked about giving our alms to the poor and giving to God. 
in, in, uh, in all these things and making sure that we do it with the right heart. Listen, don't you remember that the woman who gave her two copper coins gave more than everybody else because she gave everything that she had? Jesus isn't into the numbers game. He's not into who gave more or who gave what. Listen, God wants us to honor Him and to worship Him. As we close this morning, we've got to turn, return the truth that giving, that we are, return to the truth that we are giving God worship. Now, I've used this example before. This is the greatest example of worship that I've ever heard. Every time I turn my back, people are like, running out of the church. It's awesome. They thought I didn't see him, but I have this one great big eye right here. (laughs) I love it. Make them feel awkward as they leave to go to the bathroom. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. Worship. Love the account of the book of Genesis where God the Father comes and He speaks all these things into existence. And yet when it comes to man, He gets down and gets His hands dirty. Puts His knees in the dirt. Man formed out of the dust of the earth. Until Adam lays there a lifeless body before him. And the Father, Scripture says, He leans down and breathes into His nostrils. And the man became a living soul. Anybody ever do CPR classes? I breathed and pumped on that thing as hard as I could. It never came to life. (laughs) Those things are not sanitary. I know they give you the little alcohol wipe to do the mouth, but while you go and it breathes back at you, all you could think about in high school was the whole class that did that the hour before and who had this dummy. (laughs) Annie, I think her name was. I don't remember. Jesus, God though, bends down and he breathes into the nostrils of man. And every time I'd breathe into that dummy, even a dummy, everybody say dummy. Dummy. Even a dummy will exhale. (laughs) It's true. I could see God lean down and Adam's lungs go. His eyes open. He sees God face to face and goes. And I could see God's face right in Adam's. The first thing Adam sees as he exhales is God. And the life and breath that was breathed into Adam from God, the gift of life, was breathed right back out into God's face. That's worship. You see, God gives to us and we return the gift. God breathes into our lives and we breathe back to Him. God gives us blessings of finances, resources, gifts, talents, all kinds of things. And when He blesses us with them, we return them back to Him. It's a form of worship. So with our finances and with 10%, you say, Pastor, why Why do we give to God? Because it's a form of worship. He has blessed you. He loves you. He's breathed life into you. He's blessed all of your finances. He's blessed. See, we struggle with it more than the farming communities of Jesus' day did. They understood what it meant to put a seed into the ground, step back and pray for rain and believe for sunshine and proper weather and to keep the storms away. They believed and trusted God that when it would bring forth fruit and once the fruit was there, they were worshiping because they weren't going to die that winter. 
For us, well, I go to work and I do my job and I do this and I do that and so on and so forth. So we don't really depend upon God in our minds like we should. It's God that gives us the ability to work. It's God that provides the job for us. It's God that gives us the opportunity. So we must understand that when we receive a harvest from that each week, we should give back to Him in worship just like those who farmed in that time did once a year. It's our first fruits. And I'll be honest with you, there are times where we gave and gave little and a little bit each time and at the end of the year when we got our statements I stepped back and looked and said wow we gave a lot of money to the church this year I had no idea listen folks I'm not going to manipulate you to give I'm not going to do any of that kind of stuff I said in the first service um, Pastor Zach uh, one of these years at camp is going to get thrown up to he's not going to throw up don't just forget that (laughs) they're going to ask him to take up an offering and if you go to camp and, and you'll see that all these youth pastors, it's like, here's my moment to shine. They preach like a 20-minute sermon and try to manipulate kids to give offerings. And I'll never forget the time that I went up there and I just said, hey, guys, this is an act of worship to God. Um, basically, you have money in your pocket. I know you came with money. Your parents sent you with money so you can buy cheese fries after the service tonight. <laughs> but seriously, are you going to blow all your money on cheese fries or are you going to give a little bit to worship God? Let's pray. So we prayed, and you know what happened? It was the worst offering we've ever taken at camp. (laughs) Do you know that if a person genuinely is full of the presence of God, they're not going to have to be manipulated to give. It's just going to be natural. And they're going to want to. And we want you guys to experience these principles. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your presence, for your gifts, your goodness, your mercy. And Lord, these folks are faithful. I thank you, God, for a faithful church full of faithful people. And all these examples, Lord, that I shared this morning of difficult situations, I'm so grateful we've not experienced any of those concerning our finances. You've been good to our church. You've been good, Lord, uh, to each one of these individuals. And I just pray, Father, that as they're faithful and they pour out uh, blessing, as you pour out blessing upon them, that they will turn and bless you as well. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to those principles. And Lord, we just receive all the goodness that you have for us today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.